You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Markets have been incredibly volatile in the first, what is it now, nearly four weeks of 2022. So many movements to the upside at the beginning of the year and then to the downside. So much volatility with me to make some sense of it all from a technical perspective is France de Klerk, independent technical analyst, speaking to us from the Coureur Desert in the Republic of South Africa. I'm just looking at my screen now, France, and I'm seeing a Bitcoin price that has more than halved uh, since its peak. And that wasn't long ago. What was it, four or five months ago? I don't know. But anyway, it was 67,300 or something like that. It's now 33,700. I'm looking at the Swiss franc because of its safe haven status. It's at its highest level since 2015. And that's because of A, volatility elsewhere, but also the Ukraine-Russia situation. S&P looks as though it's in correction mode now. It's so much going on. Where should we start? Let's start with the US stock market, if we can. S&P 500. Over to you, Franz. Lindsay, you know, um, if you look at these markets, the scary thing is, you know, we're seeing these markets coming back. But you know what? They're so high up. I mean, if you look at the S&P, even where it is now, let's call it on the futures market, let's call it around 4.4. You know, in October, it was 4274. Yes. So it just shows you that this market, what we're seeing here is not even a proper correction. I know that the, the, the correct definition for a, for a uh, correction is 10%. And I know that we've touched a moving average of 200 days on the S&P 500. And everybody is, is saying, but wow, this is massive. But what everybody forgot is that this market, came from about 2,000, 1,800, and in 20 months, it was maneuvered highly every day with tiny little candles where everybody was sucked in to believe that this market will carry on forever. And, and you know, if you look at this market, and I saw the wedge. This wedge was coming a long way. This market was, was bouncing every time at the, at, the, um, at the bottom of that support, and it bounced. And strangely enough, it was every month about the 16th, 17th, 18th, when the Fed was uh, due to announce they've bought so much bonds and everything was going like a Boeing. But the big thing since last week, is that the S&P 500, for the first time, I can almost say in months, gave us what we called a classic tweezer top. Now, that tweezer top was about three weeks ago, and I saw that, but you know what what worried me was, and that's what happens when markets are pumped up and and that, that, you know, if Fed money comes in and they sort things out, the, the, the upper shadow that I was looking for and now maybe just to explain to the to the listeners, a upper shadow is if you look at the candle, it's a tiny piece that, that sticks out to the top. And usually I like to see a little bit of a longer um, upper shadow. And I did not see that. It was a tiny one, but the previous week was okay. And I can maybe say to the viewers that was the 27th of December was a nice candle. And then the following week, that first week in January, we saw that lower uh, shadow that I thought, listen, it's going to be nice and long, and it did not happen. But for me, the rule was the five-day rule. And we always use that, that we take the end of the month, that's the 31st of December, we take the close of that. We count five trading days after that, and we say, okay, can the markets um, actually go higher than the close of the 31st? And the S&P did not do that. We will come back to the South African market now now, but the S&P said to us, listen, we're heading in for a difficult year, but I mean, boy, oh boy, 
We saw a bearish engulfing candle last week, a little bit of a, you can almost say a doji or a, a spinning bottom right at that support level. And then, of course, Friday night, everybody just said, listen, we're giving you a nice um, candle and we call it a shaven bottom. And I mean, since then, can you believe it? You can almost say from early this morning when the market opened up on the on the future side, 4635 to 4397. I mean, that is a big move. That's about a 200-point move on the S&P 500. So for me, the biggest thing here is, although we will see rallies, and I believe that we will see rallies to the top, I don't think the market or the Fed will just let this market just fall in one way to the downside, like in um, March 2020. I think we will definitely see some bounces, but the trend has been broken, and that's the important thing for me. If the trend is broken, it tells you that something bigger is developing. And, of course, we all know that know that it was that U.S. 10 bond that warned us long time before, every time that it wants to weaken, and the market just ignored it. It was talks around inflation. It was commodity prices. I know now it's maybe this possible war between Russia and Ukraine. But if I look at the technicals, doesn't matter who's saying what, that trend has been broken I, we'd be below that, that beautiful ascending channel. And I mean, my target to the downside for this move, if it carries on, is 4270. So that's about another 100 points before we get to the end of this, let's say, first initial correction. But, um, of course, there's so many people in the world that, that just believe that markets can go higher, that I believe that every turnaround candle, they will come back and they will buy it up. But unfortunately, the trend has been broken. What has happened recently in France is that there has been sometimes three different moves. In the morning, you'll see, you get up at seven in the morning or half past six, whatever, you have a look at your S&P futures screen and you see that the market is down. And then as you get nearer to the US opening, then the market is up and then the real market is up. And then, so that's the second uh, trend of the day. And then two hours or an hour and a half before the end of the the real session, the S&P and the NASDAQ and to a lesser extent, the Dow falls. And that's what we're seeing now because when I woke up this morning my S&P futures were up two-thirds of a percent they're now down two-thirds of a percent I mean I don't know if you look at the 24-hour rolling graph but uh, it must be playing havoc with your machines they must be steaming over there you know Lindsay this is quite interesting what you mentioned what you're mentioning now it was the exact opposite while this was going up. Yes, exactly. Every morning the markets went uh, started off a little lower or gapped up during the day, it was almost like horizontal. It, it just, uh, you know, gave tiny little movements. And then when the S&P opened up, it was just a rocket machine coming back maybe around 10 o'clock, half past nine in the night. And then that last 40 minutes, it was just a push up again. And this is exactly, and I said to somebody, and I think a lot of traders and people that's been involved with the markets for many years is going to agree with me what I'm going to say now. You know, the S&P 500 was so easy in the past, and I'm talking easy in the past before March 2020, so that you could look at the candles at around half past eight, nine o'clock at night. You could see, okay, it's more or less a bullish engulfing, or doesn't matter which candle it is. And the following day, you will expect that that candle will give you the right signal, and you just carry it on. But the last year or so, 
The SMP was so manipulated, and I want to say manipulated because everybody was just moving into that market constantly, believing it will never drop. That even if you went during the night just for a, a number one to the toilet, you will watch at your cell phone and see what is the SMP 500 doing at two o'clock or half past two doing at night. And I said to somebody the other night, it just shows you that people got so bogged down with this index that it was just completely irrational. In actual fact, I was building a shortfall long. And what I did eventually, you know, to give you an idea, if I start building a short like on the S&P, I will maybe start one, let's say, at 4,000. And then I will say, okay, fine, I will add one up. If it really goes high wire, I trade so small, then let's add up at 4.6. But this thing rallied in such a way that you said to yourself, listen, you need to watch your money because this thing can go to 5.5. Five. I mean, so it just shows you that the S&P as exactly as you say, now suddenly a 24-hour rolling chart is so important. Where in the olden days, you just said, it's not really an issue. Um, we will just carry on the day and, and follow the previous candle. But I mean, it is interesting, interesting times. In actual fact, uh, another trader just phoned me this morning. He said to me, the psychological training that he went through, not via university, via the indexes, the past 18 months, yeah. was the worst he's ever been through. <laughs> yeah, we'll come to the possibility of a doomsday scenario right at the end of our chat, France. But I think what, what, what we've got out of that S&P 500 analysis can be applied to most markets in the world. Although the All Share Top 40 and the All Share Index of the JSC Securities Exchange has been remarkably resilient because I noticed uh, today the statistics say that there were bond and stock purchases by foreigners. And that's what I thought when I, when I came in back from a well-deserved break. I just saw people coming for SA Inc stocks. Whether that'll last, I don't know. But certainly somebody has said, we like emerging markets, we like South Africa. What is your technical interpretation of the all share indices? You know, let's, let's have a look at the all share indices, you know, and, and it is exactly, exactly as you say, usually the markets follow each other. But in our case, the market just ignored because what the world was doing, if the East or China is going up in the morning. They said, okay, Tencent will go up. And if Tencent goes up, Naspers and Process will go. So our market went up. Then what will happen? The inflation story will come out of America. The guys say, but that is fantastic news. The commodities will go up because um, with inflation, commodities will go higher. So they just went in and, and bought the index. So what happened with our index, it just went up on every little bit of news. I mean, even if China cut interest rates, they say, OK, well, immediately they're going to buy more commodities. But even now, you know, our market is down today more than 2000 points. The overall index is trapped in a beautiful rising wedge. And can you believe it? As we chat now, and I'm looking at the monthly chart here, Lindsay, mm -hmm. we are right at the top of that resistance line. And that is after a 2000 drop of the day. I mean, that just tells you that our overall index will only give a sell on a monthly chart below 70,100. That's 1,700 points from here. Only there it will tell us this and it can break to the down side and then it will go to 65,300. But now you will hear the beauty. 65,300 was just the, the high of June 2021. So it's not even a reversal. So it's exactly as you say, 
our market was completely disconnected. And even if I look at this monthly chart, and I, why I'm showing the monthly chart here, is that a lot of investors that's in, in the overall index are long-term, real long-term investors that buy and they hold on to buy and usually they add on to their positions on a monthly basis. The monthly stochastic is at 91. It just tells you that this index is just so overbought that there's so much money in this index. If it drops, yes, it can go to 66. And I know a lot of people will say to me, but France, that's a beautiful level just to add in. That is the problem with these markets. It went up in such a way. It gave us lampel formations. It gave us inverse head and shoulders. In actual fact, I did training with somebody the other day, and he just wanted to see bullish reversal formations. He didn't want to look at any selling formations. And I said to him, but why not? He says to me, the markets will never come down again. And that's exactly the point. The market is overbought. It's in a rising wedge. It can easily trigger a sell, but people will not believe it. And the scary thing about it, they will not believe it until this index is about 10,000 points down. But, of course, there's a lot of booze listening to your program. And above 74,104, 74, they will just say, Franz, you're on smoking grass. This market is going higher. You will probably see it at 80,000. Okay, well, we're seeing the signs. The really risky assets are getting clobbered, uh, like Bitcoin, for example. And I don't want to harp on about this because I don't like anyone losing money. Uh, but it's halved from its peak, which wasn't long ago. The second thing is the safe haven assets, uh, like the Swiss franc, highest level for nearly seven years now. And the other one I want to look at is gold, because gold has been so boring, France. It has been orbiting the 1800 level. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to describe on a podcast or on radio. But if you can just imagine a market going up and then coming down, and then it keeps on doing that, but the highs are lower and the lows are higher. So it forms a wedge, like a delicious wedge of Dutch cheese. And eventually, when yeah. it gets right into the corner, it breaks out. I think, in my layman's way and my naive way, I think it's broken to the upside in dollars. What do you think? Okay, are we going to look at Bitcoin first or gold first? No, no, the Bitcoin, I don't want to waste people's time on, on Bitcoin. You, you know my views <laughs> well, on that, and I know your thing, views on that. Uh, let's go yeah, for gold, the, the please. Scary thing about, the scary thing about Bitcoin, it can go to zero. Yes. But I mean, if you, look at, if you look at the gold price, for me, and I've looked at this chart, I mean, day in and day out, week in and week out, there's still a reverse or an inverse head and shoulder on the gold price. We've got a classic left shoulder, and I'm going to just, just maybe some listeners must just imagine. This started in 16 November 20. That was the neckline was at 1,900. The left shoulder would develop all the way down to 1,775, came back to that 1,9 level. Then the massive head came down all the way to 1,686, back to that level of 1,9. Then we had almost a period of a year where you see the right shoulder. We're almost back at that level of 900. Now we've pushed um, just below that. And that neckline, of course, because it's not a 100% horizontal line, it's a skew neckline. That is sitting now at 1,869. And for me personally, if I look at that chart, if it breaks above 1869, two things will happen. First of all, it will trigger a beautiful relief rally all the way up to 1960. And my target for this formation, by the way, is 2100. But for me, the important thing is that the 40-week moving average 
is a support for quite a while. And what's interesting about gold, every time that it gets to the 40-week moving average, it's almost like there's some people buying it at the 40-week moving average. And that 40-week moving average, and I think that's the clue, has got a beautiful curve slowly to the upside, a tiny little move to the up. And what I like about it, it's not the steep move of a 30%. It's a move of about an 8 or a 9%. And that's always classic to tell you that there's a move sometime to happen. So for me personally, I think the big level will be 1.8, let's call it 1.870. Then you will see gold will probably start to get going. And I think why gold is doing it. And remember, gold is doing it for the last, you can almost say, six weeks. It doesn't want to drop any further. It's telling us that the markets were not happy or the gold wasn't happy with the markets. Some investors started to move out of the markets, out of crypto, out of all these other products, back into gold, just as in a safe haven. And I think we're at the time where people will realize again that gold is a proper safe haven. Mm. Crypto is not a safe haven because there's nothing to back there. But gold is a proper one. And I like this chart. And while it's above that 40-week moving average, I've seen over many years, in actual fact, let's say um, 30 years, if I see a chart starting to consolidate above its 40-week moving average, rarely that chart will start to fall away unless something horribly goes wrong. But at this point in time, gold is moving up. And for me personally, I believe that some of the bigger gold players in the world, like the Chinese and even the Russians, they've accumulated gold because they knew that something will happen to the American dollar because the American dollar was just weakened to such a point where everybody just say, but can it go even lower? I think it can go lower because the strange thing, and now people will just say, listen, France, now you're completely off the moon, (laughs) is that the RAND chart on the weekly chart actually has got a, a, a head and shoulder formation that actually can tell us that we can see a stronger rand. So I wonder sometimes if we're not at the point where people will say uh, money in markets is beautiful, but we can maybe earn more on interest. Let's maybe put some of it in hard stuff commodities. And on the other hand, if they start to do that, even if commodities goes up, South Africa has still got what we call a currency commodity driven uh, sorry a commodity driven currency and that means stronger commodities sometimes leads to a stronger currency and that can surprise us okay that's well said okay so what have we done we've done the s&p and by association i think the nasdaq we've done we had a, look, a little look at uh, a little go at, uh, at bitcoin we've looked at the jsc securities exchanges uh, top 40 and overall index and also we've looked at the gold price now you can tell me to go and jump in the lake when i ask you this next next question because i don't want you to alienate yourself from listeners, uh, from people that follow you on social media and from your client base and from the people that you train in the art of trading markets. But is there a potential doomsday scenario for markets? And when I say doomsday, I don't mean everything going to pot and, uh, you know, people jumping out of windows, but I mean 20, 25, 30%. And the reason I say that, and just bear with me, Franz de Klerk, if you would, is I always use the analogy of a vending machine. You know, those Coca-Cola machines that you see in different places, these great big uh, giants of things. And I'm sure that when you were a wayward youth and before you became a family man and a man of faith, you used to, you used to get up to some mischief. So let's say that Franz de Klerk and his mates are trying to knock off 
a vending machine, a Coca-Cola machine. You can't do it in one go. You have to rock it back and forth all the time. The markets at the moment are rocking back and forth. But eventually, once, it's, once they've rocked enough, you can push that vending machine over, it smashes to the ground, and then there's chaos. Do you understand my analogy? What do you think? Doomsday scenario. Um, yes, Lindsay, and I can give you the level um, the level of the top 40 for this doomsday scenario, and I know a lot of people will say, as you say, I will, some people will, well, you know, for me, I'm, I'm for so many years in the business, if somebody wants to leave my Twitter account and just not follow me anymore, that really doesn't bother me. Mm. For me, I would like to tell somebody what the chart is saying. If I'm, if I'm right, I'm happy, and if I'm wrong, I know that I'm wrong, and I know where it can go to and where we can trade ourselves out of it. But for me, the doomsday scenario of the top 40 index will be 63,000. If 63,000 break, and I know we're now at 66, but if 63,000 break in a week or two and there's just no support to it, and it breaks the 40-week or the 200-day moving average at around 61,800, we can easily see a doomsday scenario. And I'll tell you now why I say that. There is a little gap to the top. On the, on the Aussie futures market. Now that little gap, I think they will probably see if they can close that. If they close that, we will see a classic head and shoulder formation. That will call the top for me. At the moment, I don't think we've seen the top. But where do I get my doomsday scenario? It's the first time in my life that I write every night a little sentence to my traders that follow me. Nine windows are open to the downside on the Aussie futures contract. And my low of that is 26,420. And why did I put that down? Because that is a physical fence future window on that future contract. And why didn't we close that in 2020? There was only one man that held us back from closing that. And that was the Federal Reserve. Jerome Powell. So I yeah. say that sometime in future, that little gap is going to close. That will be way past a, a doomsday figure. But that will be the place where you will get the proper bear market done and dusted. And we know that we've, we've ran around all these beautiful jargons of Feds and, and all these big central bankers for many years to keep this market up pumping it up with all, all different plans. Even I am not English, but I, the names and the, the, the new jargon that they think out to maybe keep up a market is unrealistic. At the point when we get to that level, let's call it 26,400, that will be the place where a proper bull market will start again. And that's why I'm saying I'm not a doomsdayer. I don't want to uh, say to people, just lock in profits. There's many ups and downs to do that. Yeah. But the day that that breaks, and for me personally, that will be that 200-day moving average. I think if it breaks proper, it will just go one way. And remember, and I mean a lot of guys will forget this number, that in 2020 when this market came off, a lot of people will say to us, yes, it was a bear market. No, it was not a bear market. Why wasn't it a bear market? A bear market lasts for between nine months and two years. That bear market that we're talking about was about five to six weeks. That is not a bear market. That is a manipulated market where you turn into you turn a correction into a manipulative 
bull market. And that's what we're seeing now. We've got this psychosis now where people just believe that nothing can drop. And I've seen in my life, and I mean, I'm in my 60s, and I know you also not a, a young child anymore. I've seen never say never in markets. The market surprised us up all the way from 2020 till now. So don't be surprised the day that this market's come down. And just to finish it off, the yes. other day I spoke to a fund manager, and that actually rang the bell for me. And the guy said to me, you know what? We're losing clients because clients go to momentum fund managers that chase this market and believe that it can go, go higher. We don't want to lose clients anymore. So what we are going to do now, all our clients that on an income fund, we will support them and we will move a little bit into the risky face of the market. And that rang the bell for me. Even beautiful, good, brilliant fund managers are under pressure to perform. And that's not what you need. You need a guy that can stick to his guns and say, listen, guys, this is the way to go forward. Not to try and uh, uh, you can almost say keep clients happy because by keeping clients happy, you just look after your own profit and your own pocket. I want you to look at the market and say, what can we do and what is the realistic picture there? Yes, I know, and this is just to finish off this chat. I know the <laughs> fundamentals changed a lot. I know everybody's looking at earnings, but for me, this chart is making me nervous and that worries me. Yes, and I don't want you to be worried. Uh, if it does happen, then please have your clients and yourself positioned nicely because um, it, it could be a bonanza, even though it would be horrible for the economy and for the whole world. But uh, let, let's, let's say that it doesn't happen anyway. Just carry on. But anyway, today I would like to just summarise a couple of the uh, phrases that you've come out with today. The first one, uh, which I've never heard before, you've met, well, actually you've mentioned three things which stood out to me. Uh, number one, shaven bottoms. Number two, tweezers, which you know, in some people's lives goes with the shaven bottoms. And number one's in the toilet. I would just recommend, France, that you don't take your phone into the into the toilet because I've dropped one in there before <laughs> when, when, I, when I got a shock when I saw a particular indicator I, I was watching. So don't do that. But the big one that you said, never mind doomsday scenarios, is the trend has been broken. So on that note, we'll leave it. How do people get in touch with you, France? They can visit me on my website, www.francedeclerc.com, and um, they can get all our services there and <laughs> um, what we do with traders and normal newsletters and all that. So that's the place to find me, www.francedeclerc.com. Brilliant. I look forward to our next chat, which may be sooner than we think, given what's going on in the markets. France de Klerk, thanks so much for your time. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.